there was a little man standing in the corner, four foot 11, and he had this ambitious plan, change the way that China and greater China specifically, and possibly even the world, would trade commerce. And that ended up being Jack Ma. And my worst investment has been not taking that meeting in 1998 and investing in technology full-heartedly. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Rajiv Gupta. Rajiv, are you ready to rock? Absolutely, Andrew. Let's rock this. Let's do it. All right. So let me tell the audience about you. Rajiv Gupta is a partner at Allium Capital. He has 20 years of experience investing in and building technology companies. Rajiv began his investment career at Goldman Sachs, where he worked for almost a decade in the investment group in Hong Kong, Singapore, and New York, with a focus on listed and unlisted technology companies. Rajiv then used his technology investment experience as a portfolio manager at, manager at both Tribeca and Marix Capital, where he ran global technology funds. He then built his own 25-person technology startup called Gecko Life before establishing Allium Capital. Rajiv has an honors degree in law, finance, and oh my God, this one is scary, econometrics from the University of Sydney. Rajiv, take a minute, fill in any further tidbits about your life. Andrew, thank you for the welcome. Uh, I also am passionate not only about technology investing, but also my family. I have four kids from the ages of five through to 12, so it's an intense household uh, in the evenings, and when I'm at work, we generally meet somewhere between eight and 10 companies, and I love doing that every day of the week. Outside of work and family, I like to travel. I love watching television, and I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm currently watching Ozarks on Netflix and loving every episode of it. In addition, occasionally go skiing, and through that, over the last 15 to 20 years, I've busted my hip, I've done three ACLs, and I'm an old man, and I'm not even 50. <laughs> uh, one thing is visiting, you know, meeting with companies. Why do you meet with companies? I just wonder. Now, some people say they meet with companies to learn the story. Some say they want to see if they can trust the management. Some people say, oh, you're not going to get anything. They're not going to disclose anything to you that they haven't disclosed to the market. Why do you meet with companies? So it's a combination of a few things. Because we're meeting listed and unlisted companies, you will certainly see a delineation in the information that they share. Listed companies are generally more cautious and will share information that they share with the public generally. However, it's the private or unlisted companies that we meet with probably more frequently. If I talk about eight to 10 meetings a day, we're probably doing six or seven of them. And what you garner is knowledge. You learn something new about a person, a product, a market, and through that, you get confirmation bias in terms of what some of the listed companies say, and you meet the companies of tomorrow. And that's what excites me about doing what I do day to day from an investing standpoint. Fantastic. Person, product, market, and a look into the future. Those are great reasons to meet a company. Well, now, it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it. And then 
Tell us your story. So my worst investment started in 1998. I was working at Goldman at the time in Hong Kong. I was summoned from the 65th floor to the 68th floor. My colleague had said, hey, Rajiv, there's this person that's coming in. You have got to meet him because it could be a big business at some point. So I went upstairs, went into the big conference room overlooking Hong Kong Harbour, and there was a little man standing in the corner, four foot 11, Chinese individual, and we greeted each other, and he had this ambitious plan, changed the way that China and Greater China specifically, and possibly even the world, would trade commerce. And that ended up being Jack Ma. And through that meeting, and Jack Ma, for those of you that don't know, is the, the founder of Alibaba. So it was 1998, met Jack, and there was something that was inspirational about him. He was a teacher. He was trying to do something in an area that he had some knowledge, but executing would have been a real challenge. What it taught me was tenacity is the greatest aspect someone needs to have when they're building a business. And as an investor, you must be able to detect tenacity first and foremost. It's a key differentiator. You want your leaders and you want your operational managers to have tenacity to not give up. We as an investor need to have tenacity to believe in those companies, to believe in an investment. So from 1998 onwards, I had the benefit of being at Goldman and then at Global Technology Funds to see what was going on in technology. And it was changing every aspect of our lives. In 1998, my parents refused to have a mobile phone. Uh, in 2007, they refused to have an iPad. In 2012, 2013, they refused to get an Uber. And here we are in 2018, 20 years after meeting Jack. Technology is not only a part of their lives, it's a part of my lives and it's a part of my kids' lives. And my worst investment has been not taking that meeting in 1998 and investing in technology full-heartedly. I had opportunities to invest in Alibaba. I had opportunities to invest in Tencent. I had opportunities to invest in Twitter and eBay long before they were public assets. And this is an ind as an individual. I did it for the funds I was at and the funds did very well and I did well as, as a result, but it didn't supersize. So my worst investment has been A, not having conviction, B, not putting my balls on the line, and C, not writing themes that you hear about but do nothing about. Through that journey, I have seen companies like, as I mentioned, Twitter, I've seen eBay, I've seen Microsoft, I've, I've seen TSMC, I've seen Tencent, I've seen Tektronix in Hong Kong, 669HK. All these businesses, the funds did very well, so it's very good for our investors, but I should have made so much more money as an individual and poo-poo on me for not doing that. So conviction for me is the most, most important part of investing, both positively and negatively. So my worst investment is not putting more money to work in what was looking at me in the face. People often in finance talk about, and when I talk about finance, I'm talking about fund managers specifically, they talk about the efficient frontier. And the efficient frontier is a chart that is in, some, in many ways looks like an arc. And on that arc, they suggest that you should effectively scatter your investments. Some should be high risk, some should be low risk. And I completely disagree with the efficient frontier. 
I think the best way to invest is have a big chunk of what you do. And I'd say 50% or maybe slightly more in super risky stuff, which will give you an exorbitantly high return. It can also be worth zero. And then I would put 50% in completely boring things that will never go below zero or generally inflation adjusted, maybe plus or minus. If you focus on the risky stuff, the risky investments, yes, they can go to zero. But if you do your work, you have your conviction, you know the thematic, you're talking to companies, you will make an enormous return. Think about the individual that backed Travis at Uber very early on with $250,000. Potentially when that company lists next year with $120 million valuation, that's going to be worth four and a half billion dollars. Now that is conviction. The guy made that investment seven or eight years ago. And he's going to go from that small amount to this amount that you know, it'll be worth a small African country, which is extraordinary. So my worst investment is not anything specific, but it is not having conviction. I think not having conviction when you've done the work, you know the thematic, is a very weak way of investing and I do regret it, but I'm doing something about it because the last three or four years I've had high conviction in themes and I'm playing them very hard, willing to lose, but I hope I win. Fantastic. So let's try to help our listeners out. Imagine that guy that's sitting there. He's got the conviction in the story. He's about to make the same mistake that you made of not getting into it. Now, it's very important that we highlight the, the two things you said. You've got your thematics. In other words, you know your theme, what you're playing, and you've done your research. So once you've got those two things in place, what is the feeling that you felt or that that guy today, that man or woman is feeling like, oh, I'm not sure. And the textbook tells me to be diversified. And what if I lose all this? I mean, those are the feelings that I'm sure you felt and they felt. So if they're feeling those feelings and they've done the homework and they've got the thematic, what is the advice that you, and this is going to skip right into the actionable advice. What is the one piece of advice that you would give them in that case? If you've done the work and you believe in the thematic, I think you go hard and supersize positions as early as you can. And to support that comment, you take someone like Warren Buffet, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, Buffett is renowned for being the world's best investor. Cuss his mind back to 2000, 2001 in the technology boom that was occurring then and bust and go back to the GFC and go back to 2010, 2011. He has always stayed clear of technology investing. And as it turns out, two, two and a half years ago, he came out and started to finally believe in Apple. But compare the return that he will get on Apple from being a $600 billion company to a trillion dollar company vis-a-vis -vis the person in 1998 that invested in Apple when they launched the iMac. That individual has basically gone from a $4 stock up to a $1,000 stock. You decide where you think is the greatest return. So for me, being early could certainly mean being wrong, but being early if you believe, it's the greatest investment you could have ever made. Okay, and I think... Um, I'm going to add my little two cents to that and see what you think. The first is warning, warning, warning to the listeners. 
remember what he said was you've got to have your thematic right and you've got to do your homework. <laughs> Rajiv is not saying just have a conviction, just having a conviction without the support of the evidence and the ability to continue to build either a positive or a negative case. Uh, you, you're not, you're not, you're not, uh, you, you're not playing very safe. So now let's just talk about conviction for a moment. I just looked on Google and it says conviction, a firmly held belief. It's a belief, opinion, view, thought, persuasion. So remember that conviction is something that's very strong. So we also have the risk that you could be wrong and you're really strong. So I think the, the thing, the lesson that I would say is that build your story, as, as Rajiva said, build your theme, do your homework, but also never be afraid to try to find someone that disagrees with your conviction and get their input. And I think that's a really important risk management measure, but don't let that persuade you from taking the risk. Now, let's talk about the other word that Rajiv mentioned, and that is tenacity. The quality, uh, let's say the, the quality or fact of being very determined, of continuing to exist, to persist, tenacity. What a great thing to look for in a CEO. And the fact is that doesn't come out through an annual report, through the financial numbers. As we started this whole interview, we started with the idea of why are you meeting companies? And I think what we learned from this is that you can, if you can spot tenacity, in a good, you know, and find a good person with a good idea, then you've probably got something you should back for a long, long time. And I'll tell you one personal story about tenacity. When I was a young guy in 1993, I became an analyst in Thailand and I found my dream job. I love to be an analyst. And my best friend, Dale Lee, came to visit me from the US and we basically decided to set up a coffee business in Thailand. That was 23 years ago, and I can tell you our sales started in 1996. We were hit by the 97 crisis. We were crushed. We lost all of our customers, almost all. We had a factory uh, roasting coffee. We had our staff, and we literally, I lost my job uh, working at the time at Peregrine. Some, some of my listeners will know Peregrine, a Hong Kong investment bank, and I lost my job. We moved into the factory to survive. And what I learned after many years is it took us to get on our feet after that 97 crisis, which was a massive crisis in Thailand, was that my business partner, Dale, had tenacity. He also had sincerity. And what he did throughout that time was to never give up on the idea, number one, but also never betray the other stakeholders in the business. And I say that, when I say about partnerships, I always say there's only two times that you have to worry about conflicts in partnerships, when you're losing money and when you're making money. Otherwise, you don't have to worry. And when we were losing money, I saw the true nature of Dale's tenacity and sincerity. And that made me willing to invest everything I could in what he believed in, what he did. And 23 years later, we have a thriving coffee, you know, B2B coffee roasting company that I'm going to go after this call to meet with Dale. So that's my story of tenacity. Are there, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Did I miss anything? You know, the other comment I'd make on that is add from you and Dale had conviction in coffee, roasting coffee. 
and you had two individuals that understood business and one was particularly strong with being tenacious. I think that combination is critical. So sometimes we tend not to look at the financials or look at valuation because you can sometimes fall into a value trap and sometimes you can miss something because it seems expensive today. But you know, Apple at $4 looked very expensive to, t- to some people and clearly to Warren Buffett when it was a $600 billion company, it still looked cheap, right? So numbers can sometimes be very deceptive. I think numbers should be seen as something that's supportive. You cannot ever trade person, individual, thematic and tenacity. They will always trump financials and valuation. Amen. Let's wrap that up in a bow. Listeners, you've got another story of loss now to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Rajiv, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, or in this case, our missed opportunities, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for our audience? If you come across anything in technology that sounds dumb today, you can be almost guaranteed you'll look back in 10 years and say, why did I not support it? (laughs) So if you think something's dumb, don't be dumb. All right. That's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.